Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Lee from Popcorn Podcast, and you're listening to Zero Dark Nerdy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Zero Dark Nerdy, the world's most notorious pop culture podcast. This is your boy, Brian, a.k.a. El Nino, and today I'm joined with... Ryan Saber, Captain Cleveland, Browns, Cavs, Indians, CLE till I die. And today we have two very, very special guests in the studio via Zoom, via Australia. We have Lee and Tim from Popcorn Podcast in the building. Lee and Tim, say hi to all the fans out there. Hey, guys. So happy to be here. Yeah, we're really (laughs) excited. Thanks for having us. Hey, we are very, very lucky to have yeah. you. So before we get into all our, the stuff that we love, which is obviously pop culture, movies, films, all that exciting stuff that just makes the world go round, why don't you go ahead and tell some of our viewers out there that may not have heard of you, you know, a little bit about the, the background to Popcorn Podcast, how you got started, uh, what keeps you going, and, you know, things like that. Well, what I keeps might- us going? Coffee, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm three. I'm a three coffee a day guy. I've I've only I've only had one, so uh, it's morning here. So I'm ready to ready to have number two already. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the first question? Why we started Popcorn Podcast? Yeah, so, well, yeah. Tim, so were you just kind of hanging out one day and we're like, we need to start a podcast? Like, how did that work out? Well, Tim and I both work in um, the media industry here in Australia. Tim works for Channel Nine, which is a huge network, and um, I'm a freelance journalist. So. We were kind of already in that space, and we're both huge film nerds, aren't we, Tim? Massive. Say that. Yeah. Um, and it was just it just started as a way to just do what we love, I guess. Talk about film, and and I mean, how good is it that we get to do that every week and have a blast doing it? I mean, all I do is see movies and talk about movies, so you may as well put a microphone in front of me and put me on record, and yeah. you know that's. Popcorn podcast started. I guess what what's really unique about Lee and I and my story is how we met. Uh, our humble beginning was my first casual job. I think I was oh god, fourteen or fifteen years old, and we met at the Golden Arches, McDonald's, or or, or Macca's as we call it down under here. Yeah, um, yeah. And Lee was my manager. I was flipping burgers out the back, and and Lee taught me the ropes. Um, you know, and that was like fifteen years ago or something. And you know, the rise of social media kept us connected all that time. We both lived abroad at some point. Uh, we both, you know, started our own careers in our respective fields. And we had that ongoing constant connection that brought us back together about movies and, oh, what do you think of this and whatever. And then I guess, yeah, Lee approached me almost oh, about two years ago now. We're about to celebrate our yeah. second anniversary at Popcorn Podcast, which is really yeah. exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. How, how, Lee, tell us how it started. Like, was your your baby that you conjured up and and brought me into the mix yeah i mean you were the first person i thought of obviously tim to to join me on this journey and i think in our industry i i don't know if it's the same for all industries but especially in the media industry here you can't be a one-trick pony anymore you need to have all these different skills you know be a jack of all trades i guess um and podcasting was really taking off in australia and i i think it's been really popular in America for quite a while. Is that, is that right guys? Uh, For a little bit, everybody. Yeah. A lot of people compared, you know, Joe Rogan, but Joe Rogan's been doing this for, for 10 years now. So he's, you know, I don't want to say he started podcasting, but he was in on the ground floor and really worked his way up. Now everybody has a podcast. If (laughs) if they have, 
like any any type of a following really in any media space right now they they have a podcast oh gosh yeah 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 same thing in australia so uh we sort of got in at ground level and uh started popcorn podcast and really in australia nobody's doing what we're doing which is um new cinema releases that's exclusively sort of what we cover uh, although that's been difficult over the last year with cinemas being closed but um yeah and and putting the content out weekly which is a huge schedule, <laughs> let me tell you. But we're having a blast doing it, aren't we, Tim? Oh, the most fun. I mean, yeah, we both, you know, I have a full-time job. Lee is is constantly freelancing and hustling in her space. and But it's a great balance. I always find the podcast for me personally an escape, like to get out of my corporate world and just to talk movies and have fun and, you know, share it with everyone. And yeah, I just love it. It's the best. It, it truly is. We're, we're coming up on year three for us. And that's, yeah. you know, very similar. Brian and I work corporate jobs and he's one of the first people I approached. And I said, you know, we talk about this stuff all day, every day. Why not, you know, get our voices out there and have a good time doing it. So it, it's a blast. And we get to connect with awesome people like you that we would never get to connect with on, on yeah. even with social media. So it's, it's fantastic. Well, I love that that's what the podcasting community is all about as well. It's just all about listening to each other's podcasts, supporting each other. It's it's a really loving community, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Even, the, you know, the chat rooms that I'm in, whether Facebook or things like that, there's not a lot of people. I mean, you know, some people have some secrets that they want to keep to themselves as far as like editing and, and things like that. I get it, you know, if you don't want to spread the love. But for the most part, though, if someone comes in with a question, uh, you see just flooded with responses. You know, I'm looking for a new mic. I'm looking for this. What what advice do you have for this? I'm not saying it's all great, but it is a very, very, uh, you know, let's let's all make it kind of community. I'm going to yeah. tell you one thing. <laughs> I promise you I will not try to do an Australian accent because as I'm <laughs> listening to you guys and when Tim said Mackers, I wanted to like spit out like my version of Mackers in my Australian accent. And oh, yeah. my, my the, the voice in my head just said, dude, don't, 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 don't do it. Well, we, we, heard your, we heard your English accent. Well, who was doing the English accent in the Justice that was Brian. I did the same thing. Yeah. Was that? Yeah. I don't know. Well, then I, so did, listen. I did it on the, uh, the, like, um, Judas and the Black Panther episode. Judas and the Black Panther. Judas and the Messiah. Oh yes, that Judas one. And, that's what. Yes. That's the one. Sorry, so, that was. Yeah, that it was episode. terrible. It was a terrible British accent. I apologize to all our friends, <laughs> all our friends in England. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I did it. I, I did it in the Justice League episode because Mira's <laughs> accent was ridiculous. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> and we did talk about that a little yeah, bit. We did. What, we that. One of the things I'm interested in, in you know, look. We're going to go down a whole bunch of movie questions and all that. But one of the things I'm really interested in is you guys, you talk about movies all day, right? Yeah. Like that's what you do in your podcast. It's sort of what you're doing in your professional life. What else are you passionate about? Um, you know, what other pieces of pop culture do you guys love? Oh, television as well. Definitely. I just don't have the time to fit it in. I, I freelance sometimes writing for um, a pay TV magazine here, one of our big uh, pay-per-view uh, companies. It's called Foxtel. Um, so I get to do a little bit of television writing there as well. And uh, But, yeah, it's, there's no time. Like <laughs> so many films come out every week. <laughs> yeah, I work in television uh, specifically in commercial partnerships. So TV is a big part 
part of like who I am. And, and I, I do, uh, I don't know how I find the time because I feel like I'm always in front of a screen, like 24 seven, if it's not a movie, it's a TV show uh, or, or like the TV shows that I work on. I work uh, specifically in reality television and product placement and sponsorships uh, for, for channel nine, as Lee mentioned earlier. So uh, Lego masters is one of the shows I work across, uh, which, which Fox, I think are about to, launch their second season I yes think, of, yep oh uh, will arnett will oh, arnett's that, the host yeah. right no yeah, yeah. was the batman in in the like a batman movie that's right yeah we um we actually one of the judges in uh our version of lego masters is ryan brickman mcnaught he's the only lego certified professional in the southern hemisphere and there's only 14 of them in the world so we've kind of yeah big tick in the in the lego land you know universe um he's an unreal uh unreal guy gentle guy so talented he's built stuff for brands for us he built a life-size honda civic type r made out of lego bricks for season one as part of that sponsorship which was a journey it was an awesome experience and it toured australia and, and people got to get amongst it so yeah no tv is a, is a huge part of like my interest as well reality as well i'm watching euphoria at the moment mm -hmm. uh which is oh extraordinary i binged that i was actually up quite late last night because i couldn't turn it off it's, it's unreal we're getting into i'm getting into uh, falcon and the winter soldier at the moment you guys talked a bit about that one as well Oh yeah, we. Uh, we I have not. I so I watched the first episode. I have not watched the second episode. Usually, if I don't watch it by Tuesday or Wednesday, I did the same thing with Wandavision. Right? It's like you know what? I've already avoided all the spoilers. I'm just gonna wait three more days and then watch two episodes back to yeah. back. Right? Because that's even better. So I'm gonna watch apparently the episode of of Falcon Winter Soldier that comes out tonight or whatever uh, is 54 minutes long. It's the longest. Oh, wow. It's the longest episode, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'll have I'll have two episodes back to back on Saturday or whenever. Do you think that one works for television? I think I think WandaVision worked really well for television, but I really feel like Falcon and the Winter Soldier maybe should have just been a movie. So let me, Brian, let me take this one because yeah, I've actually good. thought a lot about this. I, I think I, I thought you're, you're absolutely right for your assessment that WandaVision worked for TV. I think that Falcon Winter Soldier works for TV because I think that's what you're going to see Marvel do with their television shows moving forward. They're going to shoot it like a movie. It's going to be like a six or seven hour movie that they break up in one hour increments. I think Loki's going to be very similar. I think Hawkeye is going to be very similar. I, I think WandaVision was a little bit of an anomaly, you know, and, and, and if you think about it, even towards the end there, the last, you know, two or three episodes, it became more of a Marvel show and, and less of the, you know, sort of crazy world that it was with the, you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s or whatever. So I think it works uh, because they're going to take time to develop these characters a lot more than they than they have in the past and, and things like that. Like Sam Wilson's already more likable. Right. An hour and a half or, or an hour, 40 minutes in, he's already more likable. I think, you know, they're doing something really great with Bucky uh, by, you know, sort of humanizing this uh, historically robotic figure. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think it works. It's just a shame that you don't get to see those really big action set pieces on a big screen. And with the news now as well, that Black Widow is going to Disney streaming services. I think they've just done Natasha dirty there for sure. <laughs> Well, they'll still release it in the theaters here. Um, yeah. I just, you know, with the way that, with the way the U.S. is with COVID, still, I, I don't think I'm going to be going in a movie theater anytime soon. I mean, we have, 
you know, I don't, I don't want to go too far down the road, but you know, we're, we're still in, we're still in the danger zone. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so sad. It's, it's just an awful situation. I mean, Lee and I always talk about the power of the shared cinema experience. And I just hope you guys get that back as quickly as possible because we recently um, went to see a screening of nobody, uh, which, uh, which we're, we're going to review. And, and that's our next episode that we're going to do after this, but uh, you know, it was a packed cinema. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. It is out. It is so crazy. This movie is uh, the action. It's unreal. And you just can't, you can't substitute that experience yeah. in, in your lounge room. So yeah, I'm, we're, we're thinking of you guys over there and yeah. hopefully it's not far away. We appreciate it. Appreciate Bob Odenkirk it. was on Howard Stern this week. It was great. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I watched that, but you know, one thing I want to say just to piggyback off what you were saying the shared cinema experience in the U S is going to be a lot different when, when we actually do go back because a lot of our smaller cinemas are closing and they may not reopen. There's, you know, we have one right down the road here, Brassfield. It was sort of, it's been open for like 30 years. My girlfriend and I, we used to go there when we were younger, you know, uh, for like birthday parties and stuff like that. So a lot of those smaller cinemas, so it's really just going to be, um, you know, sort of the, the mainstream, uh, the, the, the chains, yeah. the national chains, which, you know, isn't, isn't a terrible, but I still enjoy from time to time going to the smaller theaters and sitting in a little bit of a smaller space and, you know, having the old creaky chairs that rock, you know, not the big leather lounge recliners <laughs> and all that. So it's going to be a little bit of a different experience yeah. uh, for sure. Agreed. Have some of the cinemas started opening yet or are you all still pretty much in it, lockdown? It just depends on because it's different here because each state is regulated differently. So some states are wide open to where, you know, everything is 100 percent capacity. There's no regulations. Our state, we just got back to you could you could go you know before it was you could be at a bar till uh, nine, then it went to eleven. Now it's back to two. Movie theaters, to be honest with you, really haven't <clears throat> recovered. There are some that are open, but again, just kind of limited seating. So it just depends on what city you're in, what state you're in, because it's not just state mandated. A lot of it's also city mandated too. So they they have the right to say what time bars and restaurants close and this that and the other but i agree 100 percent with, with tim i mean the movie going experience is something that i will treasure always and for the rest of my life and where i attribute a lot of my great memories to i mean a lot of my daughter she's she's going to be 20 this year but growing up i can't tell you how many countless movie parties we had for her one of the things we always bond about are movies and just going to the movie. She's a big fan of a 24 films. So that's always usually showing at the smaller movie theaters that we have. And uh, I'd love to have that back. And like the, the nightmare scenario and Ryan cringes when I say it is what if Endgame was supposed to come out last year and we were robbed and have to wait another year for Endgame. Like that to me is the most stressful situation ever. Cause you know, they wouldn't just wait and have us watch it on TV. They'd have us wait to watch it in the theaters. But so, it would yeah. it would not have been, I mean, look, man, you know, you'll, you'll <laughs> never, exp- you may never, ex- I've talked about this, but we may never experience the end game scenario again, right? Infinity war walking out of the theater the first time you saw infinity war when all when half of your favorite heroes just died the year buildup going to see captain marvel and like 
the end credit scene, where is Fury? And it's like, oh my God, that's a scene from Endgame. And then seeing the first trailer, which starts with Tony on the ship where, you know, you know, uh, hey, Miss Potts, this one's going to be a tearjerker. You know what I mean? And then going in and just the portals opening cap on your left, like the, the whole theater erupting, like you will, we, we will never, we may never experience that again in our lives. Like even now, I'm sure everybody has goosebumps. I yeah. have goosebumps. <laughs> and if they would have, and if they would have taken that away, that's why I cringe and shake my head because it could have happened. You know, Ryan, it could have happened. That was poetic. The chills. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting to see how um, the situation over there in the US is actually affecting us as well because um, we've been in a, a state or a situation where we've been able to open our cinemas, but a lot of movies are still getting pushed because they don't want to release it worldwide before it's re- able to be released in America. So, you know, things like the Bond movie has been pushed back and, you know, Black Widow was pushed back so much and and it got a little frustrating there for a while. But then um, we had a few Australian movies come out like The Dry, which I'm not sure you guys have yet starring Eric Banner. Phenomenal movie, really amazing. Um, and it did really well here. And I mean, that was the upside, I guess, but also we just really want the movies. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it opened up the doors for Australian stories more than we have yeah. had in, in a long time. We had... Uh, Dirt Music, Rams, The Dries, Lee mentioned Penguin Bloom with Naomi Watts, uh, uh, High Ground, you know, the the list goes on. There was incredible Australian stories that were seen and heard because there was less clutter. But yeah, as Lee said, like we're clamoring, clipping at the heels to get, you know, the big big films back in and uh, yeah, sink our teeth into them. I mean, if anything, though, kind of the one positive was, you know, I think especially on like social media and stuff like that, like, the types of content that have started to come out more (laughs) stars have gotten closer with their fans and, you know, musicians and things like that doing live, uh, you know, stream sessions and, you know, you know, putting, putting some of these movies on the streaming services like Disney plus or HBO max, you know, I mean, I think they found a way to, um, you know, still sort of capitalize. Uh, obviously, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I will see Black Widow or any Marvel movie or any sort of big budget blockbuster in the theater. But you know what? I don't mind seeing, you know, sort of an indie film or a smaller budget film. You know, maybe paying a little bit extra, or you know, having the services like Hulu, Netflix, whatever. Uh, you know, put it in the in the membership, you know, the subscription fee and paying the the, um, you know, the studio that way. I, I don't know. I mean, I I've enjoyed the way that they've sort of uh, adapted and pivoted to to bring the content to us. Yeah. What I do you mean- think about the news this week that um, Knives Out has been bought? The sequels to Knives Out have been bought by Netflix for something like four hundred and fifty million dollars US. So that's going to put those sequels straight to Netflix. I think it's great if the second one's as good as the first one, because if it's not, then, you know, who's going to want to see a third one, right? Because it's going to basically be a whole new cast except for Daniel Craig. So, and and I'm going to tell you something, his, even amongst our group of on Zero Dark Nerdy, his his accent was not well received by some, right? (laughs) 
So, and, and, and if you hated his accent, it's, it's tough to get past it and actually enjoy the performance. So yep. uh, I think it's great. I loved it, but that's something to, to pay attention to. Well, maybe he'll do a mirror and just phase it out for the next film. <laughs> do an Amber Heard and just get rid of it. <laughs> and all Amber Heard. <laughs> so let, let me ask you to, uh, as we were getting ready for, for this uh, interview here, we, we started talking a little bit about uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Did you two actually get to witness that in the movie theater? And even if you didn't, I have to ask this because a lot of other, uh, yeah, I'm from Puerto Rico, uh, a movie experience in Puerto Rico in a movie theater is like a concert. Like there's no shush, there's no shushing people. It's loud <laughs> if there's a, you know, action scene, everybody's going crazy. So I guess kind of two-part question, did you see Godzilla versus Kong in a theater? And then secondly, is the theater experience similar to that in Australia to where it's just kind of like you're yelling, you're cheering, you're going on? Or I just have to ask because I'm always curious to see how it is in other countries. Unfortunately, <laughs> we didn't get to see Godzilla versus Kong in the cinema only because I was away on a camping trip, which we sort of mentioned before we started recording, but I interviewed the cast at 3 a.m. in the middle of nowhere, like from a tent sort of situation. Um, so I had to watch the movie before I did that and I didn't get to see it on the big screen and Tim was away on uh, vacation. So he also had to just have a look at a screening link. But as he mentioned, we did see Nobody in uh, a cinema recently and cheering and clapping and laughing and it was that's the kind of movie that just really got the crowd going. Love oh, absolutely. And I think back to our experience uh, watching Endgame in the cinema, you had the same thing, you know, those moments of fan service, uh, mm. you know, the, you know, Avengers assemble and everyone, wow, like, yeah, everyone does go crazy. Um, but I have to admit, I am a shusher in the cinema. If you're talking <laughs> near me, you'll know about it and I'll tell you to, you know, pipe down. But uh, yeah, it's, it sounds a lot of fun in Puerto Rico, like a concert, you say. It's uh, it it is crazy, especially when I went when I was younger. I went to go visit, as I like to call it, the motherland, and uh, we went to go see Jurassic Park. And at that point, it was in the two dollar theater. So at this point, you, you figure at least eighty percent of the world has seen the movie. But apparently, whether they've seen it or not, especially when the T Rex is chasing the Jeep, I mean the 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 crowd noise. You would have thought you were at a concert. And I asked my dad because that was my first movie going experience in Puerto Rico. I said, is it normally like this? Because I'm not used to that. And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just I just like asking that because apparently in some countries it is like that to where it's just kind of no holds barred. It's, it's it's almost like a festival, let alone let alone yeah. a movie going experience. I'm not sure if it's like that generally because we tend to go to media screenings, which are a bit of a different kettle of fish. I think people are more relaxed and, and, and join in a lot more and they're all really hardcore movie fans um but if you're just in a general cinema i think people are a bit like bag. <laughs> oh i think i remember going to movie marathons as a teenager and oh, yes. you know the final destination movies back to back to back you know they elicited like a uproarous like, oh, when things you know they're all dying in weird and wonderful outrageous ways i mean i guess it depends yeah who you're sharing who you're sharing the screening with, you know, a bunch of, you know, 500 teenagers, you know, that's a, that's a different story to some media folk, you know, in the screening. Right. I, I want to pivot a little bit. One of the things that I'm really interested in, and I'm going to kind of take you guys on, on a journey with this. So I'd say maybe 
August, September of last year, we interviewed, we have a friend to show who's in um, talent management out in Hollywood. And one of the things that came up at the time, that's when the whole uh, release, the, the Snyder Cut uh, started to, to come out on social media and people really started to press for that. And one of the questions that Brian asked of our, of our friend of show, Brad, Brad Lambert, was, you know, are you a fan of this type of behavior? And one of the things that Brad said at the time was that he wasn't because then it opens Pandora's, it opens Pandora's box and it starts to turn into a situation. Well, the Snyder verse or you know, the Snyder cut came out last week or two weeks ago, maybe at this point. Now, all of a sudden you have David Ayer talking about his version of Suicide Squad. Margot Robbie came out today and said that there's a 20 hour version of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that Tarantino uh-huh. shot and cut that's available. I'm, I'm just curious of your uh, thoughts on these you know, director's cuts or versions that haven't come out and sort of going down that road. I mean, I'm in two minds about it. I think I, on one hand, you know, good on these directors for getting to do what they want to do. But I think Justice League was such a mess that it it felt like justice, for lack of a better word, for Zack Snyder to get his um, closure, I guess, closure on it. Um but I mean, and then you get something like uh, Martin Scorsese. I want to say Martin Scorsese. Who did The Godfather? Oh, <laughs> uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, um, and he did his extended cut of um, The Godfather. Things like that, I I don't mind because it feels natural, mm-hmm. I guess. But I mean, who's telling Quentin Tarantino what he can and can't put in his film? I don't believe that. <laughs> I mean. We don't need to see 20 hours of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> as much as I loved it, right, like, right. we don't need to see it. Yeah, that's a, that's but, a yeah I, I mean, it, it depends on the situation, I think. And we know Tarantino, too. That's a lot of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Tim, Tim, what's your you imagine an Aaron Sorkin getting to do like an Aaron <laughs> Sorkin kind of. I'm kind of on the same page as Lee here, a bit, a bit in two minds. Like, I love a director's cut. They've been around for decades. Like, it's not news. They exist. And they have a place in the film canon of, of, a, of a story that a director, I guess, originally intended to make. Where I think that it worked really well is when maybe, I mean, George Lucas didn't do this particularly well with the um, original Star Wars when he re-released them with new effects. But I think, like, that that works, depending on how you approach it. Like, that's it gives a fresh lick of paint on a project that might you know be a little bit rough around the edges i really get excited about those projects um for example like the extended editions of the lord of the rings trilogy like they're the only versions i watch and i think that is exceptional marketing in a way to open up the world of middle earth to to audiences who love it so much and it kind of yeah gives them more and the story is just so bloody fucking awesome um with the snyder cut it's extraordinary because it's like it's the general public rallying together. And yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about Pandora's box because I don't know about you. I don't want to see another frame of suicide squad. Like that movie was God awful. And I just think how do you polish a turd? I think we were relatively lucky with Zack Snyder's justice league that it, it did actually come out a lot more comprehensible. It actually had a story and there was actual character to it. And, you know, Ray Fisher was the shining light of that movie. I think finally yeah. uh, with his character in cyborg. So yeah, I'm in two minds. Like I'm open to it. It's just how Hollywood and the general public go about it and whether we actually need it, you know, think twice about it. 
Do you know what DC needs to do? They just need to scrap everything, go back to the drawing board and just, you know, stop redoing these things and polishing a turd, as you said, Tim, and just, you know, just think about it properly. (laughs) Because I'm a bit worried. I love James Gunn. And obviously having worked for Marvel, he knows how to do this properly because Marvel has had great success with these films. But I'm I'm still worried that it's too many characters shoved into this film that's just, it's not going to work. Like you still need that background and that introduction to the characters that the DC films just seem to not understand. I Am I wrong? <laughs> no, no, that's my biggest argument that, that I say all the time. And when we were talking about Justice League, you know, we weren't trying to really compare it to Marvel films, but it's hard not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what it is with the Marvel films is they even give the villains a great backstory. So it's almost mm-hmm. like you can't mm-hmm. even be mad at them for what they do. Where DC, for the most part, for a lot of their films, they lack that depth, that that feeling. You know, it's just like this guy's bad just to be bad. Like Steppenwolf, I at least kind of cared about him a little bit more in this version. Mm-hmm. For the other version, it was like he was just bad just to be bad. And then on yeah. top of that, he had a bounty of he had to consume 50,000 planets. That's <laughs> insane. That's like the biggest debt ever in the history of the universe. I don't care where. Um. So, but I agree too. I think this is going to open up a Pandora's box. I've been buying DVDs and Blu-rays for, you know, since the day they came out and this is not anything new, but I do think that it's going to set a precedent to, all right, well, this, this version sucked. Well, what about my version now? And I think it's going to continue and there's going to be some good ones, but there's going to be, I I predict a lot of bad ones. Didn't didn't the Snyder Cut just come out with a black and white version as well? Yeah. Yeah. Why? I don't know if I'm going to watch that one. Yeah, the okay. one thing I'll say, though, with, with with Suicide Squad, you know, David Ayer came out and said basically that, you know, he had sort of this dramatic. It was like a dramatic version of the movie and they cut it and tried to make it like Deadpool, you know, and and, and that sort of characterization of it. I mean, it is sort of very Deadpool, like sticky like the mm. way that they released it. So I, I think from that standpoint, I definitely don't need to see 20 hours of once upon a time in Hollywood. I love you, Quentin, but I don't, I don't need it, buddy. But, you know, on some of these situations where there's creative differences between directors and the studios and they pull away from the director's original sort of vision of the movie, I almost feel like it should be up to the public to sort of say, yeah, we want to see this. I, I want to see it. And, and let, let's let's go a step further. I mean, clearly, right? I, and, and I started listening to your bonus episode on, on Justice League, but clearly the Zack Snyder version of Justice League is way better than Justice League. And, you know, we may, mm-hmm. I may, I will never watch that other movie again. Never. So now it's a situation where it's like DC has this plan for what they want to do moving forward. And it totally contradicts what was in the the epilogue of the of the Snyder mm-hmm. cut and it's like I want to see them go down that Snyder cut road. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I want to see what's happening uh with what they have planned. So I don't know. You know and and you talked about James Gunn, you know, doing one thing, you know, being doing very well with Guardians 1, Guardians 2. That's at the that's at the at the direction sort of of, of Kevin Feige, right? Like he's sort of reeling James Gunn in and they have a vision and they have sort of this overall storyboard of how they want things to work moving forward. They don't have that person at DC. So I'm a little concerned about 
Mm. The, the the Suicide Squad. We'll see. And you know, John Cena looks really, really dumb in that outfit. <laughs> in the new trailer, he's not even wearing a shirt. So, what did, what did I say the other day that he's the poor man Dwayne Johnson? The poor man. He is. I mean, that's and that's what they. That's sort of there. The, you know, I, I believe very early on WWE, the wrestling company from Vince McMahon. I think they were getting a cut of. The Rocks, when he was still The Rock, they were getting some of his movie money. And I think they're doing, They, I think they got the same thing going on with him. And they probably had it with Dave Bautista. And I don't know, you know, they, they're trying to get guys out there. They're trying to recreate The Rock every couple of years. You know, yeah, but man. he might actually he he might actually do well in this film because John like no disrespect to John Cena, I actually quite enjoy him in some um, comedy films. But he, and this is like a comedy vehicle. Obviously, he's going to have that kind of humor running through his character, definitely. So he, he might do well. You never know. So I just think it's too he, many characters in one movie. It is. What was the movie where he was Amy Schumer's boyfriend? Trainwreck. Yeah, he was pretty good in Trainwreck. Yeah, right. Le, LeBron was actually really good in. in no, was that Trainwreck too? No, Trainwreck. No. Yeah. So they, they they had two athletes that were really good in Trainwreck, but. I don't know. We'll see. I don't. I, I don't know. I obviously your favorite athlete of all time. So don't be a homer on this one. I have, yeah. I got. I have pictures <laughs> of LeBron behind me. You just can't see him. With different. Athletes. Are you excited about LeBron in um, Space Jam? No, uh, I'm not. How? <laughs> don't, don't mix your feelings. Tell us what you really feel. I'm. I'm actually. I'm excited. I've seen sort of some side by sides on social media of how they've evolved the animation which I'm actually pretty excited about. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of sort of remakes or whatever. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be a little bit different. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's probably more of a reboot than a remake, but I don't know the original sort of this. It's it's a classic. So I'll see it. I'm, I'm way more excited to see how they've progressed the animation over the years than I am to actually for the story and all that. I get a bit tired of reboots and remakes as well. I mentioned this on our podcast quite a lot, but sometimes they're done really well, but also it's just like, what's the point? Put money into um, new talent, new screenwriters. Like there's so many talented people out there that are peddling their work and, you know, just use some of that, get some originality back. Yeah. Uh, Let's make uh, 37 Avatar sequels. That's what we want. <laughs> I think James Cameron is on 38 by now. <laughs> Let's see how the first one goes. I mean, I'll say the same thing I said with Knives Out or you know Knives Out too. I think you know. Let's see how the first one goes. I mean, I I think this idea of sort of saying, okay, we're going to create, you know, when when a movie does well, okay, we've greenlit three sequels. Like let let let's let's do one sequel. Yeah, it's okay to it's okay to have a story, right? To have a vision of what it looks like you know, three, three steps down the road, but let's do, let's do the first one first. I mean, 10 years later, it's 10 years later, right? That from when first avatar came out, oh, you know, that's longer than that. Yeah. Well, I saw it with my girlfriend before Courtney, me and Courtney been together for 10 years. So yeah, it has been longer than that, but uh, you, do, man. you know, let's, let's see how the story holds up, how it progresses. You know, it's going to be a whole different thing, we'll say. but I am excited for that. And the Kingsman movies, I think there's like seven of them. Eggsy? <laughs> well, no, Eggsy. You, you didn't like Eggsy? Oh, no, I, I like the Kingsman movies. Tim doesn't. I like the first one. The Golden Circle, don't get me started. Like, honest, honestly, don't get me started. Uh, I'm, keen <laughs> for, I'm keen for the uh, prequel that's coming out. It looks good. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'll, just sit, I'll just sit tight. Excellent. You, you, got any, you got any, like, rapid-fire questions for them? 
Yeah, so so we'll go rapid mm. fire as far as you know. I'll try to keep you on your toes a little bit, and, and we'll try okay. to you know keep it to. So, do you have a favorite actor or actress from the homeland from Australia? And then we'll. Oh, I think you'd have to say Hugh Jackman, but after interviewing Eric Banner, he's a pretty close second, I think. I heard the interview, and it was fantastic. By the way, and he oh. seems so cool. Yeah, he's a cool guy, definitely. We love Eric Banner down here. Uh, for me, uh, it has to be. Nicole Kidman. <laughs> I knew you, you were going to gonna say that. Tim loves Nicole. <laughs> I know this is. I know this is meant to be rapid uh, trivia, but I'm no, going to no, embarrass no, myself. Uh, I, I did you ever know when Hotmail was was new, and you kind of like as a kid, you kind of had these at hotmail.coms that were just really embarrassing. You couldn't wait to get rid of them once you actually realized what you'd done. Um, so my first Hotmail account was. <laughs> Oh okay. man! It was uh, Nicole Kidman lover at hotmail.com. Oh man, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I'm embarrassed for you. And you know what? I I wouldn't have not have told that story. Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh it, no! I love that. That might be our soundbite. Everyone <laughs> had know, one of those. Though. I think bites. mine Everybody had. had an embarrassing hotmail email. Yeah, it did. I think mine had puppies in it. A reference to puppies or something like that. Um, yeah. Oh, I definitely did. And I'm not. Uh, So, so second, I guess, rapid fire uh, question here. Is there, uh, I guess I could say a particular movie that was filmed in Australia that you were just, that's like your number one, plain and simple, or even based on Australia that may not have been filmed there, but just, you know, shows that pride. And then we'll, this time we'll start with Tim and then go to Lee. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a (laughs) lot of pressure. (laughs) Uh, look, I think, I think if you think iconic Australian cinema, there's nothing more iconic, uh, than Priscilla Queen of the Desert on the, on the top of the bus with, you know, the, the costume billowing out like that put us on the map in so many ways, uh, for Guy Pearce and, and, and other cast members. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of rapidly answering that. That's what I went through. That iconic image is what I think about and, and, you know, the, the great Australian landscape and outback. Yeah. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert for me. Um, well, more recently, we saw The Dry and we talked about that. And that was my five popcorn kernel review. That's like fantastic. But I think um, what always holds a special place in my heart is uh, Moulin Rouge with with your woman, Nicole, and you oh, and yeah. McGregor. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the director's cut to that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Baz Luhrmann, he always gets his vision. So, oh, I, yeah, that's yeah. true. I almost just did it again. I really like the way you said McGregor, and I almost just said yeah, the name in, in an Australian <laughs> accent. I'm not going to do it. My so family's I'm, actually Scottish, so I McGregor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we actually did an episode. Oh, man. It's probably been, I'm trying to think, maybe a year ago where we talked about favorite movie snacks. And I know that in your bios, Tim actually says that his is popcorn and a frozen Coke. So I think, you know, outside of popcorn and frozen Coke, like maybe your favorite candy and then Lee, we'll just open it up to you. What's your favorite movie snack? Uh, Mine would have to be vanilla choc top. Bit basic, but, you know, give me my frozen Coke, my popcorn, and then I'll try and find a second stomach to smash a a vanilla choc top. Yeah. I think I'm quite partial to um, snakes. Do you guys have snakes in the Allen's lollies? They're like, how would you describe snakes? Oh my what are they, like gummies? Yeah, yeah, like, like gummy, gummy worms. Okay. Yeah. Gummy worms, kind of, yeah, but not sour. Are gummy worms sour? Yeah, well, no, we have sour ones and we have just regular gummy ones. 
Yeah. This is America. We got all kinds of crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've always found it fascinating that you guys put toppings on your popcorn. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you another thing that we do. This is this is really a lot of people do this, but I I, I think I almost am one of the originators of this. Oh, Lord. You'll get like the 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 pack the meal or whatever where you get a like a small popcorn a, a, a drink and you'll get the candy that you want so i'll get either like nestle bunch of crunch you guys know what bunch of crunch is oh you know what a nestle crunch is i know nestle. it's like, no, it's but... like rice it's like rice it's like crispies inside of chocolate so it's like a crispy chocolate bar or Reese's Pieces, which is basically just like M&M's, but there's peanut butter in them. And I'll yeah. either one or the other and I pour it in the popcorn. Yeah. And then as you eat it, it's 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 salty and sweet at the same time. There's yeah, a party in that box. That's what I don't understand. <laughs> because then doesn't the popcorn get sticky and you'll end up with like a big chunk of chocolate no. popcorn and mm. you just gotta eat it. You just gotta so eat fast it. That it doesn't get that way. I love movie yeah. popcorn. <laughs> All right. So, Tim, you're known for you. You're. It's said that you're the encyclopedic. You have an encyclopedic knowledge of film. One question that I ask a lot of our guests, actually, it's sort of a it's it's a dual question, and I'm putting it for both of you. Okay, mm-hmm. what's a movie that you like that most people dislike, <laughs> and what's a movie that you dislike that most people love? I love. Charlie's Angels Full Throttle and like and I think it's a movie that you know, a lot of people don't like but yeah, for very true but man put that on and I will be cheering it'll be like Puerto Rico cinema experience I'll be there I fucking love it you saw um, me going crazy a second ago silently I'm so happy you said that <laughs> and funny enough that more recently um, a movie that I hate that a lot of people like happens to be knives out i just couldn't i just couldn't stand it uh i just oh no i can't we, we review it and i kind of rip it shreds and lee quite liked it in our episode so there was you know that that friendly banter there so when i heard news that they were doing two more sequels and you know netflix picked it up i go i'll i'll just swipe past those <laughs> Oh God, you're really putting me on the spot there now. I don't know. I would have said Charlie's Angels too. Like I can, I can watch the Drew Barrymore and oh, um, yeah. Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu versions over and over and over again. Um, a movie that I see, I don't. There's not a lot of movies that I don't like, is it, Tim? I mean, I can usually find the good in everything. What's a film that I've rated really badly recently? I quite like the little things as well, which you didn't like. I love seeing Denzel be that one. Actually, it got bashed. It got bashed yeah. in the U.S. It did not get good. Re- it did not get good reviews. Jared Leto got good reviews. The rest of the yeah. movie did not. Yeah, no, I, I quite quite like that one. I didn't mind that one at all. But um, what's one that I? I yeah, I can't think of one that I hate. Maybe Godzilla. Maybe the original okay. Godzilla with um Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick, excellent. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I hate it, but I wasn't super keen on it. Oh, it's terrible. Mine's Gladiator. I always like telling people mine's Gladiator. I didn't like I didn't like it. I don't know. I still You're don't like it. National treasure to them, you know. I know. I didn't like it. I don't know in if they're the movie, to come back on the no show goodness. now. In the movie that I love that most people hate is a it's a 90 early late 80s, early 90s Bruce Willis film called Hudson Hawk. Have you guys ever seen that movie? Not in a long time. No. You have to watch it. It's yeah. cat burglars that 
they sing jazz songs while they're robbing, while they're doing their robberies. It's very sort of like, it's a dumb comedy with Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello. You got to watch it. On the list. Now, I want you to remember that. Here's how someone sold it to the studio. There are cat burglars that sing jazz while yep. they're robbing people, and we're going to have Bruce Willis in it because he just did Die Hard. That's, he, that's Yeah, he was just coming... It. <laughs> so he was just coming off a of diehard, but he had just done Moonlighting too. So he was still sort of seen as this sort of like sitcom esque, and it, it it sort of has that feel. So it's pretty good. I mean, it's not great, but I like it. All right, I know Lee. You talk about loving Marvel stuff in your yeah. bio. I'm going to ask you both. I ask everybody this question. There is no wrong answer. Who is your favorite Avenger? Captain America, Chris Evans, all day, every day. Uh, for me, it would have to be Black Panther, just to the cultural impact and, you know, where that story was going. And sadly, we'll go on for another direction. But yeah, I just, I couldn't get enough of uh, of Black Panther. Yeah, that's, that one's great. Lee, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you a follow up because, mm-hmm. you know, when you say Captain America, there's actually two Captain Americas now, and I'm not talking about old boy from, from Falcon Winter Soldier. You have like sort of bearded, uh, oh, Cap, yeah. <laughs> who is on the run, or you have sort of like whatever it takes, clean cut Cap. Like, which one do you like better? That's or, that, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. Let's go wrong side of the law, Cap. Definitely, that's my favorite too. Yeah. The I'm beard is great. I said table didn't raise up while table. While Saber said that. I don't understand <laughs> why. You know, it's. I just. I love Cap, man. When when the train oh, goes by and he catches the spear. <laughs> oh and yeah. The, the yeah. crowd went crazy in the theater when that when yeah. that happened too. So, uh, all yeah. right, we're gonna talk some Tom Cruise now, because I know one of you loves Tom Cruise, and I really love Tom Cruise. T- Tim, do you like Tom Cruise or not? I love Tom Cruise, even though he, um, you know, left Nicole. You know that didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's what. That's sort of where I was going with. It. All right, so I love. Tom. I, I guess. Yeah, you love him, and he's I so he's so controversial, isn't he? I mean, obviously, putting not mentioning his religious and personal affiliations and things like that. Just purely his work. I think his work work ethic is incredible. Um, and that recent controversy where he was screaming at his um, crew, don't agree with that. Don't think that's cool I listened at all. To the, I listened to it. I didn't think it was that bad. Eh, well, still not very maybe, maybe I heard the edited version of it. Maybe yeah, I, I need the, ex- well the director's me. No, I don't, I don't think it's good. But um, to play devil's advocate, you know, it, it shows his passion behind what he does and how important it is to get the um, film industry back up and running. Like I've, I respect that. And I do respect his work ethic. I mean, he, he jumped across a building and broke his ankle and kept running for goodness yeah. sake. I guess Unreal. I'm just curious. I'm just curious what your, what your guys' favorite Tom Cruise movie is. Cause he's got, he's got all the hits. I, I'll jump in. What it's one of my all time favorite films. It, it dips in, in and out of my top five, top 10 is minority report. Love yeah, it. I, love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Tim. Yeah. I, I love the mission impossible films. I'm really into those. Um, Oh, I reckon the last Mission Impossible was the best. I'm keen to see what they do with the franchise next. I will tell you that there is a Tom Cruise movie that it's one of it's it, no matter if it's on TV, I watch it, and no matter what part of the movie is on, I watch it. And it's a few good men. Like I 
love a few good men and i can't get away from it but i love all tom cruise movies so and right now i don't know if it's on uh i know there's different versions across you know the, the world or whatever but and our netflix here in the u.s uh rain man's on there very very great and underrated uh tom cruise performance with dustin hoffman so yeah absolutely so you know what's a really fun one night and day as well that's have, the, the, i have that one. written down that's one that i like that people probably hate actually night and day i'll give you that one you're right with with Cameron Diaz, I thought that was really good when he shoots Rodney in the leg, you know, yeah. Rodney the, with the mustache, you know, that's good. Yeah, for sure. I like that one. Collateral was very good, too. You saw oh, a whole different side of it. So good for again, for our fans out there that are just meeting you for the first time. Be sure to tell them, you know, where to find you in, in terms of social media, podcasts, all that fun stuff. Now is your time for and of course, any shout outs that you'd like to give to any of your family, friends. Here you go. We don't really do that. I'm going to give a shout out to Brad Lambert, who you mentioned earlier, because I think he actually follows us on social media. I think we follow him as well. Brad's awesome. He's an awesome, awesome dude. Tim, do you want to take the social media stats? Yeah, sure. Let me rattle it out. Uh, We've got a website, www.popcompodcast.com. We've got all our episodes up there. We've got our interviews and bonus uh, content. Uh, we also post uh, giveaways, so check the website to see what ticket giveaways we're, we're uh, blasting out into the cinema world uh, to catch. I think if for Australian uh, listeners, we're giving away tickets to the new Mortal Kombat movie, which is out in a couple of weeks, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and you can catch us at Instagram, which is at Popcorn Podcast. Is it yes. a yeah, just add popcorn podcast. And then on Facebook, you can uh, follow us there at Popcorn Podcast AU. And we've also got YouTube. So you can search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim on YouTube. We've got all our video interviews up there and, and audiograms and stuff like that. Yeah! Victory! And anger management? Fuck anger management. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.